Thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, Jen. Appreciate your playing this morning. It's always a blessing. I'd like you to find John's Gospel, chapter number one. Find John's Gospel, chapter number one in your Bible this morning. Glad you're here, and we. Uh, so, Bill, how are we doing this morning, sir? How's William? Yeah, well, we're praying for you. Got a lot on your plate, my friend, and we're here for you. Church cares about you, and uh, anything you need, let us know. Um. John chapter number one, you found that place in your Bible this morning. If you remember, I'm sure you do, uh, back in uh, October and November, we did a series of messages on the seven I am's found in John's gospel, the seven I am's. We looked at those seven times that Jesus Christ uttered the phrase, I am, the bread of life and the light of the world. And we went through all of those and examined one. We took one, uh, one per week. Well, this morning I'm going to give you seven things, but we'll try and get through these all today and, and, and make a point at the end of them very quickly. I want to talk to you about seven witnesses. Seven witnesses. Um, the title of the message is basically, How Many Witnesses Do You Need? How many times do you have to hear it from somebody in order for something to be true or to believe that it is to be true? And so we want to talk this morning on seven witnesses in the Bible. And John's gospel has a lot of sevens in it. And uh, seven miracles the Lord Jesus Christ performed. Now he recorded more than seven miracles. But John only records seven of those. And uh, there are the seven I am's found in this gospel. And we see, as we'll see here, seven human witnesses. I'm going to leave out the witness of the Holy Spirit. because, And uh, that's... We're talking about human witnesses. So there's seven human witnesses we're going to find in this gospel. And so uh, we're in John chapter number 1. And uh, the Bible says in verse number 29, The next day John, this is John the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith to him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Father, bless the time now, bless this hour. Thank you for the songs that have been sung, the testimonies we've heard, and, and uh, Lord, the... Uh, time we have to hear to kind of get apart from the world. We have burdens, we have worries, we have fears, but Lord, you are God. And Lord, in your presence, every fear, every doubt, every worry melts away because we know, Lord, there's uh, no fear in your presence. You are God. There is nothing too hard for you. And we rest in your divine care, love, and protection, knowing as our Heavenly Father, you do all things well. And I pray, Lord, you'll help each one of us here today. Each one of us has a different burden, a struggle, something, Lord, that we have to deal with in our life. And we cast that before your feet, as you've told us, because you care for us. Help those with many needs. Help those, Lord, who, again, great burdens and heartaches, those whose hearts have been broken. And uh, we pray, dear God, you'll heal them and help them. 
I pray anybody's lost today, Lord, that you'll help them understand the gospel. Father, you love men. You love their souls. You died that they may have life. So, Lord, please make it real to them today. Spirit of God, may Christ be seen. And may your witness be shed abroad in their hearts. Now, bless this time and this hour now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last night I was going to go down to, uh, I was helping somebody, and I go down to the auto zone down at the end of Bergen Avenue. And as I was making my way down the end of Bergen Avenue, I, I saw, just before I hit the, uh, the, we generally call it Harrison Ave. It's not really Harrison Ave, but that's what it's called down there where Walmart is. And, and as I, I looked off the side, I saw two black clouds in the sky. I said, well, that's, that's, that's clouds from fire. That's a fire cloud. I said, what's... So I began to look around. I didn't see any more black clouds. I'm like, something, something was on fire. Those aren't rain clouds. And I, uh, we proceeded a little further, and I noticed all of a sudden the light that was red, all of a sudden now the light was out. I'm like, why? The, the traffic light's out. And this time it's 6.30 in the evening. The sun has gone down, and it's dark. And I looked over, and the entire mall was out. Taco Bell was out. Wawa was out. Even Walmart was out. I said, they got no power. And I looked over to the side where the auto zone is, and there was a fire raging there. Somebody had crashed into a pole just seconds before I got there and uh, knocked the transformer off the pole and caused a fire, which knocked out the entire area of Walmart. I quickly swung a U-turn and got out of Dodge. It's because I didn't want to get stuck in some traffic jam and, and everything else. And police started pouring down Bergen Avenue and the fire trucks and ambulances came down. And apparently they said, I saw there's a YouTube video, somebody posted, some dear lady had crashed into the pole right in front of the auto zone and, uh, and caused that fire. And uh, I hope she was well. I hope she's fine. And, and uh, the ambulance may have been for her. We don't know. But uh, I was almost a witness to something. Almost a witness. Now, many of us have witnessed things in life. We have seen crimes. We have seen things happen. We have witnessed accidents. And, and uh, we've witnessed a lot of witnesses. The greatest witness we have, my friend, is the witness you have of what Christ has done in your life. And uh, you, know, you know who you are. You know where you came from. You know the sins you're guilty of. And someday along the line, you met the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you asked him to be your savior. And Christ saved you and changed your life. And oftentimes, people may look at your life and say, what happened to you? What happened? And you give your witness. This is what happened to me. And you tell how you met Christ and how Christ changed your life. People remember me as a teenager in high school and, and days when I was rebellious. And then they meet me years later and they're surprised to learn I'm a preacher. And they say, well, what happened to you? I said, well, it's like it's a bad thing. And it's like, no, a good thing happened. I met Jesus and, and, and Jesus got a hold of my life and Jesus changed me. And some people live really wild lives and, and, and sinful lives and very bad lives. And uh, I was watching a video somebody sent me the other day of a little girl walking down the road, and she was singing this song about how to, what a wretched, vile she sinner was. I'm like, girl, you're only five years old. <laughs> I realize we're all sinners, but sweetheart, you haven't, you haven't done that much bad, and, and, unless, you're, unless you're, I don't know. But really, and, uh, but we get the point. It makes it cute to have a little girl sing a song like that, but it's just, you, you weren't that vile in the sense that you were out robbing and doing all kinds of other immoral things, but you were a lost sinner, and Jesus saved you. We believe our granddaughter, Elsa, um, came to faith in Christ. She's five years old. She'll be six in a few weeks, and uh, she uh, asked Jesus to be her Savior, and we're excited about that and pray for her. 
And I can take you back to when I got saved and remember the day I trusted Christ as my Savior. I'm a witness to that. And oftentimes people see your witness, they hear your witness, and they, they don't believe it. They just don't believe what you have to say. They'll doubt it for one reason or another. And oftentimes somebody may have seen something and they may not really, how can I put it, they just may have been mistaken. Remember when the airplane years ago crashed into the ocean off of New York and there are people who swore they saw something shooting towards that airplane. You may remember that flight, I can't remember the number that crashed into the ocean, and people said they swore they saw things like a missile heading towards that, that plane, and, and the, the FAA said, no, no, it wasn't a missile, no, no, it was just that you saw people, things flying off of the plane, but that wasn't, and people were adamant, no, we saw something going towards that missile, and, and people swear it was a terrorist attack. We never will get an answer on that one, but they were witnesses to that. They witnessed something. They saw something. Well, my friend, we have a witness in Scripture of the Lord Jesus Christ, people who met Christ and how their life was changed. And I want to go through these kind of rapidly and, and give you these witnesses and then tie it up very quickly. So here we have John the Baptist. Now, you know John the Baptist is, the, is a child of a miracle birth. His father, Zachariah, and his mother, Elizabeth, were uh, up there in life and, and uh, past childbearing years, but God promised them that they would have a son. The angel visited them, and in, in, in the course of time, they gave birth to John the Baptist. And the purpose of John the Baptist, he is a, uh, a, a, a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And he is the one who's to come before the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a forerunner. In other words, he's to run before Christ and announce everybody, the Messiah is right behind me, the Messiah is right behind me. So the, everybody turns and looks behind John for the purpose of seeing the Messiah. And so here we have these two men who are really cousins, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. And John's purpose, as we would read the, the, uh, the first several verses of, 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 jo of 1 John, uh, the, oh, I'm sorry, John 1, and how he talks about John's witness, verse 19, and, and how he uh, confessed in verse 20. He confessed and denied not, but I confessed that I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? He said, I am not. Art thou the, that prophet? And he answered, No. And then they said unto him, Who art thou? And that we may give answer to them who sent us. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as he said in the prophet Isaiah. And so John is there to, to point people to Christ. And finally, when the Lord Jesus Christ does show up and, and, and John sees him, he points to them in verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The witness of John, my friend, was to point people to Christ, whose purpose is to take away our sin. Now, my friend, that's the purpose of Christ, is to, because we have a sin problem. Now, again, I talk about the little girl who's five years old. You say, well, what sin could she commit? Now, she obviously never robbed the bank. She never committed adultery. She never uh, murdered anybody, but no doubt. And, and she was born in sin. She has a sinful nature, and, and she needed Christ just as much as you and I do. And John is letting us know that the purpose of Christ, his, and a Jewish mindset understands this statement. A Jewish man hears this phrase, and they automatically understand what he's saying, because they, they understand animal sacrifices, they understand the idea of lambs, they understand the Passover lamb, and what's the purpose of those lambs? But to make a kafar. A kafar is a Hebrew word which means a covering, or a atonement. The purpose of those lambs is to atone for sin. And the problem with uh, uh, these lambs is they only provide a covering. Jesus Christ comes along and this Lamb of God 
does more than provide a covering. He removes sin from us. We've all had a stain on our shirt and and sometimes we may hide it with our jacket. No one can see the stain that's over here because, well, I got a jacket on. No one's going to see it and we can go about our business. Oh, my friend, when we have Christ, Christ removes the stain and we are white as snow. We have been made whole. And so the witness of John the Baptist is really to those Jewish people who are there. And he's using Jewish references that a Jewish mind would understand to help them understand that Christ is the Lamb of God. That's his witness. We see in in chapter number one, as the, uh, the story goes on, and we looked at this If you remember over a year ago, we talked about the disciples and and we went one by one through the disciples and we have Nathaniel here in chapter number one and verse number uh, verse number 47 we read uh, and Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said, and behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Uh, That's his transparency. He's an honest man. And Nathaniel said to them, whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto before thou that Philip called thee when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, thou art a son of God. How thou art the king of Israel. My friend, I want you to notice verse 49. That is Nathanael's witness. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. And Nathanael is making a witness. He's making a public testimony of who he believes Jesus Christ is, or could I say, who he knows Jesus Christ to be. First of all, he calls him rabbi, which is teacher, and he says, thou art the son of God. Again, a title in reference to his deity. Son of man, reference to his humanity. Son of God, reference to his deity. And so Nathaniel recognized that uh, that Jesus Christ was God, but he also, by calling him the King of Israel, was recognizing that this is the man with whom the Bible foretold he is the Messiah, the long-awaited Mashiach that the Jewish people have been looking for. And so this is Nathaniel's witness. Again, when we witness the people, generally we have to know who our audience is and kind of figure out who these people are and, and what we're going to talk to. Uh, I, I, I preach chapels at school. When I preach chapels at school, I don't talk down to anybody. I'm not uh, of that intelligence level. But I, I, I make the message so it's applicable for a teenager and, and, or somebody who's uh, younger than a teenager. I, I, I'm talking not as a child, and I'm not talking childish, but I'm talking to something that will, they can understand, something that they can grasp and they can take home with them. I go to a nursing home, I preach at the nursing home, and I'm not there preaching on the deep doctrines of the Word of God and trying to explain to them who the 24 elders are in the book of Revelation. I'm preaching something that will encourage them, dear saints of God, many of whom are, are falling asleep because they're just old and tired and, and, and they're worn down, and, but I'm trying to be an encouragement. I know who the audience is, and so I'm trying to speak to them at their age level and, and try to help them and encourage them and understand the word of God, but we're always presenting Christ. They can understand it. So John is presenting Christ. Nathaniel has his witness of Christ, and he recognizes who he is. And if we turn our Bibles, we see another witness, a third witness in our Bible. Now, of course, in John chapter 3, we have Nicodemus. And Nicodemus really doesn't say much. Nicodemus only says, you know, hey, you're a teacher, come from God. And, and then the Lord shuts him down and, and goes on to expound John's, uh, Nicodemus's need for a conversion in his life. And there's no other 
the words from Nicodemus in this chapter. But in chapter number four, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and, and uh, I'd like to preach on this every Sunday. If I thought folks would show up and if the Lord would let me, I'd just preach on the woman at the well every Sunday because there's a, there's a million things in this, this story with this dear woman and what the Lord does and the disciples and everybody in that city. What a fascinating story. You'll never hit bottom on this story. But we know the story. This woman's life is messed up. She's married five times, divorced, and now she's living with a guy. And, and her life's just kind of a disaster. She's at the well by herself because the other women in the city really don't want to bother with her. And she's got a bad reputation. And, uh, and she's a Samaritan, which makes her half Jewish, half Gentile. And so the Gentiles don't really like her. And the Jews don't like her because she's mixed blood. And this woman's got a lot of things going against her, does she not? Even the people in her own town don't like her. But you know, Jesus likes her. That always encourages me, amen? And my friend, uh, the world is filled with people <laughs> that Jesus likes. I remember years ago, I was talking to somebody, and they were kind of a mean person. And while they were talking and being nasty and mean, I, I was like, Lord, I don't like this person. None of you ever say that. I know that. Because you're good people. But I'm like, Lord, I don't like this person. And the Holy Spirit of God whispered, Matt, I love them. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, you have to love them for me because I can't do it. I just can't. <laughs> this person, and I won't go into it, but we all have somebody that just kind of rubs us the wrong way. Well, this woman... Seem to rub the entire world the wrong way, but I like what Jesus says. We have must needs go through Samaria. There's a woman in Samaria. We have a divine appointment, my friend, and God always has divine. By the way, don't ever think anything's by accident. You're serving God, and you have a meeting one day. You know, oftentimes I've been trying to get somewhere, and and I got to get somewhere, got to get somewhere, and, and and people keep stopping me. And I, I, it took me a while to figure out maybe God was putting these things. This is where I really was supposed to be. I thought I was supposed to be here, but this is where God wanted me. And I was such a hurry to get here, but the time I got there, it's like, now what? Everything was back there. If you ever go to Hawaii, I encourage you to get there. You go to Maui. It's a beautiful island. And there's a, trip, there's a trip you can make. My wife and I took it. You can download an app, and it kind of follows you as you go around. The, and it tells you what to do. Stop here. Don't stop here. Go here. And it explains things. It's called the Road to Hana. Now, my friend, when you get to Hana, there's nothing there. And the people in Hana really don't want you there. There's a little secret. There's really, Hawaiians are really, true Hawaiians really can be very racist against everybody. They just, you know, like, and so, but, and so it's just the way it is. And so you get to Hana, there's nothing there. Brother Lee, you've done the road to Hana, haven't you? No, I didn't You didn't go. No. What the purpose of the road to Hana is? The road to Hana is what you see along the way onto Hana. That's what makes it fast. John, you didn't. John, it's fascinating, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. You don't want to just spend hours in one spot, but it takes you several hours to do this trip, and then you got to head back. And it's an all-day experience. And I encourage you, if you ever get there, pray about it. Go the road, but you can't. It's not Hana. It's the trip itself. We must needs go through Samaria. Why? I got an appointment with somebody. Who is it? She doesn't know about it yet. But we're going to have a head-on collision at the well. And so the Lord meets this dear woman. I've probably spent more time talking about her than I should have right now. But uh, he meets her. 
has his conversation with her. She believes upon him. And I'm glad sinful women and sinful men can get saved. What a marvelous thing. And we see in verse number 29, verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. That's the reason she went to the well, by the way, is water. (laughs) She got water all right. She went back to the city with water, but not physical water. And went her way in the city, saying to the men, Come and see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Can I tell you, there's her witness. She goes back into the city and tells the people of the city, Come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Is this the anointed? Remember the word Christ means anointed. It means Messiah. Is not this the Messiah? Even her who's half Jewish and half Gentile understands that Jesus Christ is for all men. Brother Maurice, I hope you don't mind me telling this story. Brother Maurice was telling, called me the other day. He said, you know, the devil's after him, bothering him with something. And I said, well, what's going on? He said he was talking to a man who uh, uh, was witnessing to Maurice or sharing something with Maurice as a false witness and saying uh, that uh, God is in the business of only saving Israelites. God's only saving Israelites. Now, I haven't got the full story yet. Maurice is going to find more as time goes on. But really, there's, there's a lot of crazies out there. And there's a group of people called black Israelites. Black Israelites believe that it's the, the African nations make up the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And so a, a, a true Israelite, a true Jewish person is from the tribes of from Africa. And by the way, there's another group, Herbert W. Armstrong's crazy group, who believes that the European nations make up the 12 <laughs> tribes of Israel. And so if you're Scottish or English or French or German, you, you're Jewish. But the Jews in Israel, those are not Jews. But, this, but the black Israelites, no, we're Jewish. Or the guys in, in, who believe, uh, you're, no, we're, they're all crazy. Right. The, the guys you see in, in Brooklyn and in Manhattan, that those, those, are, those are Jews. Those are, trace their ancestry back. Don't believe these crazies that are out there. But he's trying to convince Israel, Maurice that God's only saving black Israelites. That's not true, my friends. It's just not true. It's a lie. And you've got to jump over a lot of verses and ignore a lot of things to believe that kind of crazy. Here's a woman who came to the city, and she ended up bringing the entire city out to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And what's fascinating about this is the 12 disciples had gone into the city to get lunch. And how many people did those disciples tell about Jesus? <laughs> Not one. Imagine that. Uh, 11 Baptist preachers and a Methodist go into the city, and they... And, 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 <laughs> And they don't tell anybody about Jesus Christ. That sounds like 11 Baptist preachers, by the way, does it not? Your job is not to get a sandwich from the Jewish deli. Your job is to get people to Christ. And one sinful woman goes into the city and, and, and ends up bringing the entire community out to meet Jesus Christ. And many of them come to faith in Christ. What a wonderful story. These Samaritans, so despised, so rejected, so hated, but loved by Almighty God that they find salvation. That, my friend, is a wonderful witness. This is the witness of that woman. We see a fourth witness here. Turn, if you will, to John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. Now, you may pick out one and say, what about this, what about this? Well, we're talking about people who made a clear-cut statement, people who made definite statements about the person of Christ and their witness about who he was. 
In John chapter number 9, we looked at this some time ago about the man born blind and what God did. We kind of told you how chapter 8 and chapter 10 are, are tied together by the story we find in chapter number 9. Chapter 8 and 10 wouldn't mean a whole lot unless we understood what took place in this chapter as it related to us. But here's this man who's born blind, and we remember the story how Jesus heals him, and he's hated by the Pharisees, and, and his parents are being ostracized and being uh, almost kicked out of the, probably did get kicked out of the synagogue, excommunicated, which is a very difficult thing in those days. And finally, the Lord Jesus Christ comes back after all the conversations over and all the uh, Pharisees have stopped harassing everybody. Jesus shows up and he finally meets the man. And he says in verse number 35, Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Dost thou not believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And, Jesus, and now remember, he's seeing, he's looking at Jesus for the first time. He's never laid eyes on him. Jesus said to him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, there's his testimony, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. My friend, the blind man who now sees, who makes that wonderful statement, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, whereas where I was blind, but now I see. That's a good testimony, isn't it? Well, what, what, what do you know? All I know is once I was an idiot, but now I, Jesus straightened me out. Once I believed a lot of crazy, but now I don't believe that crazy anymore. Once I believed everything that this crowd told me, now I know they're, a bunch, they're filled with a bunch of lies, but now I found the Word of God and I found the truth. I have seen the light. Now he's believed. And now what's he do when he believes? He worships the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, that's his testimony. And what a wonderful testimony he has. That's his witness. His witness. Again, what's our witness? What witness do we have? What can you tell people about your life? Again, it doesn't have to be elaborate. The woman at the well didn't have anything crazy go on. She didn't have any healing. She just met a man who, who, who loved her and, 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 and exposed her sin and told her how she could be made whole spiritually, and she believed. That's a wonderful testimony. Nathaniel, nothing crazy happened to Nathaniel. He wasn't a wicked, vile sinner. He wasn't ripping people off as a tax collector. He says there's no guile in this man. There's no, he's a good man. But yet, we see his testimony. We see what he did. And now this man born blind, this is the, really the big thing here. You're blind, now you see. That's a, that's a good miracle. I like that one. But my friend, when you get saved, you get spiritually eyesights. You start seeing things for what they really are. At least you should. And you realize, you know, this world's really messed up. They believe a lot of crazy out there. They think we're crazy, by the way. But understand, you're not. You're not. Because you see it for what it is. You see the spiritual battle. The world sees Republicans and Democrats. When you get saved, understand your Bible, you, look, you, you realize this is a spiritual thing going on here. And you see the battle that's raging. And you see all the... And, and nothing's new, my friend. But what the battles, spiritual battles that raised in ancient Babylon are still the same spiritual battles that rage today. And so we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. I want you to take your Bible, look at John chapter number 11. We see another witness here. John chapter number 11. And here's the story of Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus, we know, dies, and he's buried 
And uh, Mary and Martha are upset that their brothers died because the Lord Jesus Christ didn't come back quick enough. He seemed to have dragged his feet and didn't get back to the city. And, and, uh, and, and so Martha's upset. You know, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And how often we look at God and say, no, God, you know, I don't understand why you didn't do something. You're God and, you're, and you can fix everything. And why are, you, why are you allowing this? And why is this happening? And, and we always can be full of questions for Almighty God. And, and the Lord is faithful and he's kind and he's patient with Martha in her questions and her somewhat anger we see here in her story. And, and uh, he tells her in verse 23, Jesus said, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth me shall never die. Believest thou this? If you do one thing in your life, memorize verses 25 and 26, put them in your heart, and, 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 and keep them there. That'll help you with a lot of things in life. I know the one who controls it all. I'm on first name basis with the one who controls life and death and he's promised me that I will never die I had a guy tell me years ago to drop dead I told him I couldn't and uh, so understand here this is her witness we see verse 27 she said to him yea Lord I believe that thou art the Christ the son of God which should come into the world my friend that's her witness you see her witness there Again, you say, what is the purpose? No, there's a purpose. I want you to see the witness. This is simple, but sometimes it's so simple we miss the, 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 the power of it all. You know, Elijah got depressed and he wanted to die. And God told him, why don't you sit down here and, and go to sleep? And when he woke up, God had some, uh, some water and some food and he fed him and told him to drink and rest, take it easy. It's been a long journey. You've been through a lot, haven't you? Yes, Lord. He's, what's your problem? He said, no, nobody loves you. I'm the only one. Well, I appreciate your heart, but no, you're not the only one. I got 7,000 people in this country still love me just as much as you do. And why don't you just rest here a little while? And then he went on his journey. And then what happened? He, he was looking for God. And, and he was, was God, God sent a whirlwind. Was God in the whirlwind? You know, big, giant whirlwind. No, God wasn't in the whirlwind. Then he, he cracked the earth. Is God in there? When God sent the fire, where was God? No, then God spoke with that still, small voice. And God was in the still, small voice. And I'll be honest with you. I've been chipping away at that verses for 40 years now. I still haven't hit bottom on them. It's too deep. It's big. It's powerful. My friend, stop looking for God in the gigantic and see God in a Martha, a broken-hearted woman who says, I believe you're Christ, the Son of God. That's, I believe that. That's the power of God right there. That's the power of God. God is not the power of God. I wish God would drop a take Washington. No, stop that nonsense. God will do what he has to do, but it's in the power of saving this one simple woman. And her brother and her sister. That's the witness we have. Now I want you to go to another guy who gets a bad rap, and we've talked about him before, John 20. We see a sixth witness. John chapter number 20. Familiar with your Bible, you may have an idea who we're talking about. Again, everybody, don't beat yourself up because you got mad at God. 
Don't get beat yourself up because you got discouraged in God. Don't beat yourself up because you doubted God. You're, you, there's a lot of people just like you. Now, don't stay there and don't continue there. You want to move on. But just because you, you visited it every now and then, don't, don't beat yourself up and think you're no, of no use for Almighty God. It's not, not how it works. We know that Thomas, the, the, the great disciple here, who gets a bad rap because he denied, he says in verse 25, look at the verse, uh, except I shall see in his hand the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand to his side, I will not believe. Thomas, the preacher, wouldn't believe Jesus rose from the dead unless he physically touched him. And he wants to physically touch him in a really kind of, you know, it's kind of a very angry way. Because Thomas has been hurt. Thomas thinks he's been lied to. Thomas thinks he's been sold a false bill of goods. And, and so he's, he's kind of got anger at him. And how often do we think God did us wrong? How often have you thought that God didn't treat you right? How often do you think God failed you when you're alive? And my friend, if you think about it, you were wrong in your childlike anger. We were kids. We would throw a temper tantrum. Today, kids throw temper tantrums and, and everybody's uh, on pins and needles because five-year-olds in an uproar. Brother Gerard's a school teacher, and Jess is a school teacher, and Gerard tells me stories. I'm like, well, we can't upset the kid. I had teachers, by the way, who didn't care if they upset me. They straightened me out, amen. One dear teacher picked me up by the shirt and slammed me against the wall as a kid in fifth grade. I remember my little feet dangling off the ground as she threatened and put the fear of God in my life, amen. I remember sitting there hanging off the wall and her screaming at me, just staring at her teeth. And thinking this woman's breath smells like coffee and cigarettes. That's what I remember. I can't remember what she yelled at me, but I, whatever she did, I didn't do it ever again. They can't do that in public school. They need to, right? But anyhow, they need to. some of these kids. Oh, you want to know what pushes my buttons? It's that kid, and the I don't know what to do with them. Let me bring bring them over here. We'll, I'll show you what you got to do to this kid. But anyhow, what you get to do for you? I tell him about Jesus. Now, I don't know how I got on that topic, but we, we've all thrown temper tantrums. That's a temper tantrum. We've all thrown temper tantrums. I remember when I was a kid, I had a Bozo the Clown piggy bank. My mom spanked me, and I got so mad. I went upstairs, and I took my Bozo the Clown, and I dumped it out and, and poured pennies all over the floor. My mom came up to the room. She goes, what? Pick those pennies up. I go, I'm not. And so my mom persuaded me that I needed to pick those pennies up. She had a long leather strap. But this, no exaggeration, my father brought it home from work. I don't know where he got this thing from, but it was about, generally about two feet long. And, and he carved the end so it, she can grip it better. And it was like those straps you see in the barber chairs, you know. And, she, and my mom would play the theme to Rawhide and, and then use that on me. That's why I'm such a saint today. <laughs> Anyhow, God bless my mother. Straightened me out. And uh, by the temper tantrum, I remember flinging those pennies all over the floor. And, and then, then to add insult to injury, I got beat. And then I had to pick the pennies up. <laughs> oh, anyhow, I wasn't always perfect. Now, Thomas is upset. Finally, Jesus shows up, and Jesus always shows up. 
And he says, reach hither thy finger, verse 27, and behold thy, my hands, reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. Now here's Thomas' witness. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. My friend, that's short and sweet. <laughs> you don't need more than that. Just five little words there, my Lord and my God. My friend, he is Lord. He is sovereign Lord. He does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. And we don't really have a whole lot of say-so in the matter. But he is also my God. And Thomas believed that. That's Thomas's testimony there. And finally, very quickly, let me give you number seven. Again, we're just kind of showing you these things. You can, I'm giving you a skeleton. You can put some meat on the bones later on. John 21. As the book closes out, we have John, the beloved disciple, giving his testimony. And uh, this is after Jesus makes a statement that basically John's not going to face martyrdom, at least uh, not right away. And uh, verse 23, this, Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that this disciple, that's John, should not die. Yet Jesus said unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he should tarry till I come, what is that to thee? In other words, if I, whatever I do with John is my business. You don't worry about John. By the way, you know, if you remember that old song, mind your own business and you won't be minding mine. If you just worry about what God is doing with your life, you'll be doing well. Stop worrying about, what, what are them God? How come, I, how come I don't got that? How come I, it's you and me. Stay focused. We're right here. Stay focused. This 24, this disciple, this is John, which testified of these things and wrote these things, and we know his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which I, they should ever be written, every one. I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written in them. Amen. By the way, some lady made a statement the other day that uh, it, it's, it's wrong to have books because that's, you know, you're showing yourself to have money and middle class people have books. Like it's bad for us to have books and so we should ban books. What a bunch of nut jobs out there. That, by the way, that means your Bible, too, by the way. If you ever get rid of all your books, you can get rid of them all. Just hold on to that one, that, that King James Bible you're holding on to. But there's John's testimony. This is the disciple which testified these things. What's John's testimony? Well, you just read it, the first 21 chapters. John is testifying of what Christ did. My friend, all manner of people. When we see these seven people here, we have all manner of people. We have all walks of life. We have men and women. We have outcasts. We have those who are well-respected. We have Jewish people. We have half-Jewish people. And what is their testimony? They all have, a, have a, some... It's all different. It's all different. Yet it's all the same. It all tells the same story. It all happened differently in different places and different areas, but it's all the same story. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ and what he did for me and who I believe he is. And all their testimonies tell the same story. And all their lives tell what Christ has done in their life. That's a witness. Their, their life was changed. Hey, what happened to that woman? She used to be such a, such a tramp. And all the words the world uses to describe a woman like that. What happened to her? Why, how'd she become the Sunday school teacher down there at, the, at the, the church down there? Well, she met Jesus. And she got rid of the bum who was living in her house. And, and, and now she's doing right. Well, what happened, Jesus? Jesus did that. What about that blind guy? He used to beg and blind. Now he's working and productive. What happened to him? Jesus happened to him. 
What about doubting Thomas? Now he's a missionary going out preaching the gospel around the world. What happened to Jesus? Happened to him. We can go through all these people and tell you what Jesus did. What about Martha, that depressed, angry woman? What happened to Jesus? Happened. Jesus happened. My friend, we have a testimony. You have a testimony. Oh, my testimony's not big. I don't, you know, I, I didn't get saved. That, no, you got saved. That's it. Stop worrying about what you got saved. Thank God you got saved from some of those things. Thank God you don't have all, all those things in your mind of what you did. Just be thankful God saved you. That's your testimony. Talking to a lady yesterday. And uh, she came from Cuba and uh, here and escaped Castro, the whole nine yards. And she, she says, nobody believes me when I say I never had a drink of alcohol. So I believe you. I never had a drink. We grew up, never had a drink of alcohol. And it's hard for some people to understand that somebody can never have a drink of alcohol, but she never did. My friend, that's a good testimony. Be thankful you never t- touched it in the first place. Be thankful you never tasted drugs. Be thankful if you never tasted immorality. Be thankful you never got addicted to gambling and all the other vices in the world. Be thankful if you got, you got saved from all those things. But if you were in those things, God saved you from them. And now you got a testimony. You know, God saved my life. It's your witness. And God gives us these seven human witnesses here to testify to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Christ who loved us. And we see these seven people. Lord, we may not all be a John the Baptist. We all may not have a prophesied birth and come from uh, such godly heritage and be related to Christ. But he had a testimony and he used it. We may be a Nathaniel. We may be a woman at the well. We may be that man born blind or a Martha or maybe a Thomas or maybe even a John. No matter who we are, we, we have a witness. We have a phrase. We have something we can tell people. And it's that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Bless now this time and hour, we pray in Jesus' name.